Good morning, and peace be with you. We uh, don't have a lot of announcements this morning, and I'm going to get this one over quick before my son comes in here. Um, it, I became aware of a free kitten, and if anybody wants a cat, um, <laughs> we know of one, and it's a calico, right? And that what we'd established, Bob? And uh, it's uh, a little skittish, but sweet as can be. And if you're interested, see me. I know the owners personally, and uh, uh, that cat is available. <laughs> so tell Daryl I, <laughs> I helped the brother out. <laughs> um, we celebrate the fathers this morning uh, amongst us, those uh, living and those who have passed. And... Um, this has been a week of uh, reflection for uh, myself in regards to my own father. He, uh, uh, well, we didn't really celebrate so much as uh, he passed away 21 years ago on June the 15th. And then the next day, the 16th, was my mother's 88th birthday, and she's passed away three years ago. So um, it's, I'm grateful for my earthly father. Um, that was uh, really a kind and loving man, and I've said this to you all, you would have loved him, and he would have loved you. He would have loved this church. And uh, uh, over the years that I've been a pastor, um, it's been told to me that not everybody has a father like I had, and some people can't identify with that. And I... Um, apologize uh, if uh, you didn't have the benefit of an earthly father like that. Um, but we do have a heavenly father that is uh, incredible and, and loves us uh, so very, very much. And if you are a father, um, there is something that uh, I'm going to touch on in the sermon today, and that is that uh, we can look back and maybe think, oh, I should have done better than this, or oh, it's too late to make changes. And our Father who is in heaven is about making things new every day. And I heard a pastor speak this week on the radio about it's never too late. It's never too late to be a father because you didn't stop being a father. And your children didn't stop needing a father and his kind words and his encouragement. And so I'd meditate on that. I'd pray on that. And I'd say, Abba, what did that mean when Pastor Ken gave me that challenge? And for moms too. Even though your children are grown up and they've gone their own ways, it's never too late to uh, reach out to them and to give them that encouragement um, and give them that, uh, that love um, that they can only get from you. And I encourage uh, you to do that today if they're coming to visit you or uh, on the phone and so forth. Uh, Boy, I guess that was quite a rabbit trail I went on, but God bless the fathers, God bless the mothers this day. Let us stand our opening hymn this morning. Oh, and it's Nick is back with us. Thank you, Nick, for blessing us, Nick Del Palacio. And um, our opening hymn is on page 507. It's How Firm a Foundation.
We come together this morning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Let us confess our sins to God, our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation. Let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Oh God, because your abiding presence always goes with us, keep us aware of your daily mercies, that we may live secure and content in your eternal love. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. The first reading this morning is from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 20, verses 7 through 13. And this can be found on page 1206 in the Pew Bible. The background is that he's a prophet. He followed Isaiah about 600 BC. Judah's people had turned from God. That's where Jerusalem is. God was angry. He sent Jeremiah to tell him to straighten up and fly right, or God was going to come to visit, and it wasn't going to be good. So Jeremiah was warning about the wrath of God. But after 20 years, the political and religious leaders were angry about his warnings and wanted to destroy him, but God protected him. So at the point where we're reading, Jeremiah is whining to God about the job he was given. So people were rebelling. Jeremiah chapter 20, beginning with the seventh verse. You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I hear many whispering, terror on every side. Denounce him. Let's denounce him. All my friends are waiting for me to slip, saying, perhaps he will be deceived. Then we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior, so my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. Lord Almighty, you who examine the righteous and probe the heart and mind, let me see your vengeance on them, for to you I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord, give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. Our second reading is taken from Psalm 91, verses 1 through 16. It's printed in your bulletin, and we will read that responsibly. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will lie You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up on their hands. They will 
You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. The epistle this morning is taken from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 6, verses 12 through 23, and this can be found on page 1754 in the Pew Bible. Romans chapter 6, beginning with the 12th verse. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin, and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Holy Gospel, according to St. Matthew from the 10th chapter, glory to you, O Lord. Gospel reading this morning is taken from the book of St. Matthew, chapter 10, verses 5, verses 21 through 33, and can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1510. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Verse 21. Brother will betray brother, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And when you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers 
and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household. So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What I whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Take us back to the reading in Matthew where Jesus says, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without my Father knowing it. So, don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. That is Matthew 10, 29 and 31 from the New Living Translation. Have you ever been afraid of anything? Are, are you ever afraid? Do you ever worry? I've seen some heads going, nope. I'm like, wow, I want to talk to you after the service. Have you ever been discouraged? Or are you discouraged right now? Yeah. What are some of the things that discourage you? You don't have to say that out loud. What are some of the things that discourage you? Here are some things. Here are some things that might cause worry or fear or discouragement. Loneliness. Feeling neglected. Feeling that you don't have any friends. Maybe any friends that are still alive. Failure. Failure in important stuff. What do you mean by stuff, Pastor? Well, that's up to you. What is stuff in your life? Illness or injury. Does fear, worry, or discouragement for you come from criticism from others? How about COVID-19? How about the violence the chaos and the destruction that we see. Today, I want to tell you a story about a woman, and her name was Sevilla Martin, and she wrote a song about overcoming fear, worry, and discouragement. 
Mrs. Martin and her husband were visiting a couple, and their names were Mr. and Mrs. Doolittle, who lived in Elmira, New York. Now, Mr. Doolittle was crippled, and he had to move about in a wheelchair. And Mrs. Doolittle had been confined to bed for over 20 years. And despite the problems that they both faced in life, they always seemed to have a cheerful outlook in life. Mr. Martin asked Mrs. Doolittle, how do you manage to remain so joyful? How do you remain so joyful when you face so many problems? And Mrs. Doolittle's reply was simple. If God has his eye on the sparrow, then I know that he is watching over me. Mrs. Martin was so touched by Mrs. Doolittle's reply that she wrote a poem that has, well, was to become the basis for a song that has brought peace and has brought comfort to people for over a hundred years now. Here's how it goes. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart feel lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, a constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches over me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. The next day, Sevilla Martin mailed the poem to Charles Gabriel, a gospel songwriter who wrote a tune for it. And the rest is, as they say, is history. Now the truth of the message of the song, His Eye is on the Sparrow, is found in the Bible lesson for today in Matthew chapter 10. Jesus was teaching his disciples that even though they were going to be facing some very difficult times as his followers, they should not be afraid. He said to them, two sparrows, are sold for one copper coin, but not one single sparrow can fall to the ground without your Father in heaven knowing it. So he says, don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Okay, well, pastor, that's like the third time you said it. (laughs) But isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing that God knows everything that we go through, that nothing that happens to us, there isn't anything that he doesn't already know about? When we feel lonely and totally abandoned, when we are scared and in fear, when it seems that our prayers are unanswered, when everything seems hopeless, God knows and God cares. This morning we heard from the word from the prophet Jeremiah. And we know and read into it that he was worried. He was in despair. This man was truly grieved. Why? Well, Jeremiah's preaching had failed. It had failed to produce repentance of any kind. And there was no evidence of the people of Judah turning to the Lord. And as Ken pointed out, 
It wasn't a suggestion that he go and proclaim. He was told, you go and do it. Because if you don't, I'm going to do what I'm going to do to them to you. Jeremiah knew that the law of God does work wrath. He knew that the law drives impenitent sinners into even more ferocious hatred of God. Impenitent sinners hear the word and they kick against it. Brother against brother. Children against parents. Jeremiah knew, and we witness this, that the promise of the gospel itself becomes the smell of death to those who are in rebellion. The smell of death, the gospel good news. Jesus loves you and so do I. And somebody might tell you to go where it don't snow. Go to Sheol with that. The human, the man in Jeremiah, after seeing all of this, lashed out at God. In chapter 14, he he does that, and it's very clear, and that wasn't part of our reading, but I will give it to you in a minute. Jeremiah could see that his labor, his preaching, I'm telling them God's word, and they're not listening. In fact, they're being hostile to me. This was not good. And in his grief, he lashed out at God. You know, grief can do that to a person. In, in severe, deep, dark grief, we can lash out at even those that we love the most. Have you seen it? Have you done it? That's pretty common to all men and women. In our grief, we lash out sometimes to those that we love. We read that Jeremiah was being taunted even by his friends. Did you hear Ken reading that? They were waiting for him. He was under the closest scrutiny for a slip-up that would be used to discredit his prophetic message. That happens today. God befit. Try it again, Ken. The Lord forbid any of us have ever said something in the past that was recorded in some way that someone who has an axe to grind finds and publishes and causes us to lose everything, at least not our reputation. That's what his friends were doing. They were waiting for him to slip up. This is what evil does. This is what Satan does. And this is what he is doing even now. In verse 14, Jeremiah said, Cursed, cursed be the day I was born. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. His joyous trust suddenly gave way to deep despondency. The Lord remained silent after this as well. Think about this. We're going, everything's wonderful. I believe in Jesus. I believe he is the Son of God. And then I crash my car. Or then someone I love has cancer. Or somebody I love hurts me. How am I doing now? Maybe even my church, somebody in my church hurts me, offends me, drives me off. 
Maybe God didn't answer a prayer that I knew he would and should, and, and the outcome isn't the way that it should be. Where do I go? I lash out. And that grief is so terrible. And God is quiet. Have you ever noticed that in the midst of deep, deep grief, that there, he's like, it's silent? I said, hello? Where are you in this? I lashed out at him. You're not here. Everything the pastor ever told me was a fraud. Everything that's in the Bible was a fraud. You're not here and I don't need you. Because if you were here, you wouldn't have let X, Y, and Z happen. Fill it in yourself. Some people call that the pity party and we are entitled to it for a little while but we can't remain there. God is silent in our dark grief sometimes. Sometimes words must wait because we wouldn't hear them in that. We are too caught up in our grief, in our darkness, in our being let down that we don't hear the word. And that's what the Lord did. He allowed Jeremiah's grief to pass because he knew Jeremiah was set on a solid rock. And he knows that you and I are set on that same solid rock. He would say, remember, remember the sparrow. Remember that you are more valuable than a whole flock of sparrows. Do not despair. For Christ has overcome death and the devil once and for all. No matter what is going on that is causing you the fear, the worry, or the discouragement, do not despair because he overcame death and the devil for you and for all who believe. And that's what it means. That's what it means when you hear me say, we preach, we proclaim Christ and Him crucified. Nothing more and nothing less. It's what Paul said in the through the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 2 2, he says, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. But, Pastor, COVID 19, Christ and him crucified. But, Pastor, fill in the blank, Christ and him crucified. It's always about Christ and him crucified, and I would add this. It's always about him and him crucified and you crucified in a death like his. And you resurrected in a resurrection like his in your baptism. Oh man, pastor did it again. Every week he keeps saying, Christ and him crucified. Woo! He keeps saying, the font, the font, the font. Doesn't he have anything else? Oh boy, I could, I could go on and on and you've heard me before, but this is what matters. You died a death like his. You arose in everlasting life like his in a resurrection. And that takes care of everything. Everything that would ever cause you to flee, cause you despair, cause you grief. It's found right there in that baptismal font. It's found right here in that body, in that blood, and it's because of that cross and the work that he did for you. You just receive. So worry not. Remember the sparrows. In the name of Jesus, amen. We have...
hymn of the day, which is the Lord of our life, page on 366. Let us sing as unto the Lord. Please stand. Let us now confess our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed, which is found on page 3 of your bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty. Merciful Father, hear your people as they pray in the name of Jesus on behalf of all manner and conditions of people. Faithful God, when we are fearful of our enemies and weary of the struggle, you have been our shield and our strength. Grant to us the full measure of your grace to sustain us against all who are against us and help us to endure the trials and temptations of this mortal life and be faithful unto death. Lord, in your mercy, faithful God, with your favor upon us, we pray you to help us in our fight against temptation and sin. Help us to live holy and righteous lives by the power of your Spirit. And keep us from surrendering ourselves to the slavery from which Christ has set us free. Lord, in your mercy, faithful God, with the witness of the saints before us and the courage of your Holy Spirit within us, we pray you to help us maintain the faithful confession, and to contend for the faith in our own age, as did those who confess Christ at Augsburg. Give to all the churches of the Augsburg Confession unity of doctrine and harmony of life, together under the cross of Christ. Lord, in your mercy. 
faithful God, we remember those who serve us in Jesus' name. Bless the leaders of our association of the LCMC and the NALC. All pastors and teachers, all church workers, that they may be faithful in their calling and honor Christ with an obedient life. Raise up those who will follow in their steps and serve your kingdom in the years to come. Lord, in your mercy. Faithful God, give grace to those being baptized, to the catechumens in their instruction, and to all the places where your people gather to learn your word. Equip us to live out the promise of a of our baptismal life under your grace and guide us to love our neighbors as you have loved us. Lord, in your mercy. Faithful God, give healing and strength to the sick and all afflicted in body or mind and grant to those who struggle the gift of peace of mind and heart. Hear us, especially for those who have requested our prayers and those who we name out loud or in our hearts right now. Israel Lopez. Restore our nation and the world in health and livelihood and preserve us from pestilence and fear Lord, in your mercy, faithful God, give courage to those near life's end and comfort those who mourn. As we recall the saints who trusted you in life and who died in Christ, encourage us by the witness of your grace and their faith so that when Christ comes in his glory, we may be found faithful and delivered with them into the glory of your eternal presence. Lord, in your mercy. Faithful God, by your word and table, you continue to feed and nourish your people with all that will sustain our lives and faith. Help us to receive these gifts with faith and with repentance. Bring us to that day when all earthly divisions will cease, and united in faith, we shall be one people before your altar. Lord, in your mercy. Faithful God, sanctify us as your people and make us bold to confess you on earth. When this earthly life is ended and we stand before you on high, grant us to hear the Savior's acknowledgement that we are his and he is ours forever. Lord, in your mercy, all these things, Father, and everything else for which we need, we pray you to grant us for the sake of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who died and rose and lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And now, may the peace of the Lord be with you all. Let us share the peace from a distance, responsibly, waving, and so forth. from televangelist to <laughs> physician. <laughs>
Dr. Ken, I don't know how y'all do this day after day. <laughs> I need bigger gloves. Oh, Lord, have mercy. And David, did I see that you got recruited? Awesome, thank you. All right. I kind of got ahead of myself here. Um, but why not? This is all new to us. So this will not be the new normal uh, five minutes of pastor putting the glove on before we stand. And before we pray together, will you please stand? Our offertory prayer, will you please pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord, our God. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection he opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and we join their unending hymn. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his triumphant coming again. Let us now Pray together the perfect prayer that Jesus gave to us, our Father, who art in heaven. His body, His blood, a beautiful gift, means of grace that is given for you, for all who believe. I've heard your confession, and you have confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Come forward as the ushers bring you. The table is prepared. You may be seated.
seems just like I get all the way through there and it comes loose, huh, Tim? That's your pastor. I'm, a, I'm hard to work with, apparently. Uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you, Lord, for grace. And <laughs> um, Consider the sparrows. Consider that he knows when one of those little sparrows falls. I've even heard that he knows when sparrows hop. And if you've ever watched little birds, they do a lot of hopping. He knows how many times they hopped. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He loves you. He's never left you. He'll never forsake you. So consider the sparrows. And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our closing hymn is Just As I Am Without One Plea.